AM 630, The Word, KSLR, San Antonio. Faith comes through hearing. If you're in HR, you're probably wearing a lot of hats. Recruiter, team builder, trainer, mediator, policymaker, and of course, paper pusher. But not anymore. Bamboo HR is the number one HR software for small and medium businesses. It manages all your employee data easily and automates countless tasks so you can focus on people, not paperwork. Bamboo HR frees you from spreadsheets so you can do your real job, creating a great place to work. If the data shuffle and paperwork mountain have you ready to hang up all your hats, you're ready for Bamboo. If you handle HR records and paperwork, Bamboo HR is a dream. Let us free up your time and put your days of pushing paperwork behind you so you can focus on the people and making your company a great place to work for everyone. Try PC Magazine's top pick for HR software free today. Just go to BambooHR.com slash HR. This is a limited offer, only available to radio listeners at BambooHR.com slash HR. That's BambooHR.com slash HR. Hi, this is Jim Daly, inviting you to show your support for the sanctity of life and the protection of the preborn, along with millions of concerned citizens. Mark your calendar for September 26th to witness a transformational pro-life event we're calling Sea Life 2020. Join the movement to end abortion and love every heartbeat. Text HEARTBEAT to 72000 and join us for Sea Life 2020. Text HEARTBEAT to 72000. Reverend Kevin Green is a powerful teacher of God's Word. It's time to reap the harvest God has for you. It's time to recover your harvest of grace. Now at their new time, Sunday afternoons at 4 on AM 630. The Word. AM 630, The Word is everywhere. Listen live on our mobile app, on your Alexa device, or through iHeart, TuneIn, or Radio.com. You're never too far away from God's Word. Faith comes by hearing AM 630, The Word. AM 630, The Word. Good afternoon. Time now for The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. This show is sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the program. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And the reason I'm laughing is because I'm going live and I'm getting ready to go live and there was no microphone in front of me. So we had to find the microphone and get it set up. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And this is the word to stand on for life. 
a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions, questions about stuff that's going on in your life, anything and everything. Um, I tell you often, the Bible has the answers. They give, it has the direction that we need to take. All you need to do is call us. You can dial 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app and send the questions to us that way. If you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the Call Now banner at the top of the screen, and you'll be connected directly to our studio producers. Our main number, one more time, is 340-9585. Because it's Wednesday night, um, we have um, our midweek Bible study. Uh, I've been calling it Ugly Church tonight because we're in a really ugly chapter, Genesis chapter 19. It is no fun, I think, necessary. I think it's certainly timely for the time in the world that we live in. Uh, but it is the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and the reasons why uh, and the compromise of Lot and uh, how much it cost him to compromise. So that's tonight at 7 o'clock. You can watch it at calvarysa.com live stream, or you can join us here in the sanctuary. Uh, it's also because today's Wednesday. Tomorrow is Thursday. Now, you can figure that out, but I say it because that means Paula will be live in studio with me on the date day edition of the program. Um, if you have any questions, need any encouragement, ladies, tomorrow is your day. Okay, let's get to some questions that have been sent in while we wait for your phone calls. Uh, First call comes from Ryan, or question comes from Ryan. He says, Pastor Ron, what does Paul mean in 1 Corinthians 16, 22, when he writes that if they don't love the Lord, they are anathema, uh, maranatha, or even uh, in a different translation, cursed? Well, uh, anathema, uh, Ryan, does mean cursed, uh, for sure. So uh, we don't have to worry about this. And and Paul is just signing off in 1 Corinthians. And by the way, when I get done with 2 Timothy on Sundays, we're going to be going into 1 Corinthians. Uh, I've taught that here before a couple of times, but never on a Sunday. It was always uh, Friday night, or um, uh, but, but we're going to teach it on Sunday. And I'm really excited for it. But in this book, as he signs off, uh, he's simply saying, and this is the curse, if anyone does not love the Lord, anathema or curse be on him. And then the Maranatha is the next uh, sentence. Come, O Lord. That's what Maranatha means. So uh, a curse be on him. And it just means that anybody who doesn't love Jesus is going to hell. So, Ryan, that's all it means. There's no explanation beyond that that's necessary. There's no hidden meaning. It simply means that if you don't love Jesus, then you're going to be sent to hell for eternity. And there is no greater curse. So that's all it means. I hope that answers your question. If if you're looking for a little bit more information, maybe you can write back and ask it again. Thank you very much for the question. Um, here is a question from our email inbox. This one from Scott. He says, when Jesus says in John eight forty four that the devil was a murderer from the beginning... 
is he referring to the act of lying and it, and its effect on us, or is he referring to what Cain had done? Scott, I'm not sure I, I understand the question. When Jesus said that the devil was a murderer from the beginning, remember, Jesus, who lives outside of time and space, he was the creator who created Lucifer. And from the beginning, he was a murderer, uh, from the beginning of his creation, uh, be, simply because God knew exactly what he was going to do. So he is the son of perdition, doomed to destruction uh, from the beginning of time. So uh, what he does is lie. And what he does is is sort of move behind the scenes. And certainly he was behind uh, Cain's activity. But I'm not sure I make the connection uh, regarding what Cain had done uh, in John 8:44. So Scott, all he's saying is that the devil... From his inception, he always knew. Uh, There's a human example of this with Judas as well. Uh, Judas is also described as a son of perdition, um, doomed to destruction. Um, We know that Satan possessed uh, Judas, and um, the the murder, um, the the, the betrayal of Jesus was simply... um, the fruit, the bad fruit that comes from walking with the devil. So Jesus is just simply saying, I created him from the very beginning. I knew what he was going to do. Um, I gave him the freedom to make the choice. He made the choice that I knew he would make. Now remember, when God says that, he's not causing the choices um, Satan made or or in terms of Judas. He didn't cause Judas to do that. He just knew that that's exactly what was going to happen. So, Scott, I hope that clarifies it for you. 340-9585 for your calls and questions. Here is Jeff on line one. Jeff, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, Pastor Ron. It's Jeff, Jeff and Veronica. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Doing great. Um, Just uh, my work schedule's changed a lot, and I haven't been in a place where I can call you like I have in the past. Don't don't you hate it when work gets in the way of important things? I sure do. It's like I I didn't get to call (laughs) Pastor Ken last week. I had about a dozen really tough questions ready for him. (laughs) Well, I have him on again so you can stump him. Yeah, and then I get didn't get to to wish Paula a happy birthday. So you know, twenty on top of that, twenty five years at Calvary Chapel. Blah blah blah, all that good stuff, but. Well, it's my producer Sam's twenty uh, birthday today, and he's a little older, not than Paula, but he's a little older than others. So, so you can wish Sam a happy birthday. Happy birthday, Sam! <laughs> Thanks, Joe. <laughs> he's not of this world. <clears throat> no, that's for sure. Yeah, he's kind of like where? Where is he? He's ten years less than you, and then Ken is ten years less than him. So you guys are like three, three decades. <laughs> yeah, I I was feeling a little depressed today because I thought Sam was ten years younger than me. Turns out he's eleven years younger than me. So oh. I had him actually being fifty nine years old. Wow. <laughs> oh well. Awesome. What's up, Jeff? No. Well, first I want to comment that uh, I don't know, Pastor, but the past couple of days, I've just you've just exuded a really sweet spirit. I just really sense Jesus' presence in you the past couple oh, wow. of days for some reason. I mean, 
And and when you get when 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 that comes through the radio, that's really special. <laughs> oh, Jeff, so, thank you so much. You bet. Um, but you you were commenting on uh, that zealot Roy Comfort yesterday, and I mm-hmm. have uh, absolutely loved him. Uh, just he's he's just so daring, and when he gets out there and talks to the college students, and you know, within five minutes he has them broken down and, <laughs> and crying. You know? Yeah. That that's truly an anointing from God, Jeff. That is that is what it looks like when we see the gift of evangelism. We all share our faith, but 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 there are those people like Ray Comfort, who has the gift of evangelism, and the, and the Holy Spirit works in marvelous ways uh, through him. I I love the fact that he'll go to the beach, usually around Huntington Beach, and he'll just set up, and people come to him, and and he'll take all comers. And uh, it's a, it's an amazing thing to watch the Holy Spirit work. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, he he put out a a video or little film about six seven years ago, ago called uh, "Evolution versus God," mm-hmm. and it's only about twenty minutes long. It's on YouTube, but it's just amazing. He talks to these college professors, as you mentioned yesterday. You know we're worried about, you know, we're paying thousands of dollars to send our kids off to school, knowing that they're at risk of, you know, having their spiritual lives turned inside out by the influence of of these professors. But um, I highly recommend that. But I wanted to ask you if you were familiar with uh, the film last year it came out, excuse me, called The American Gospel. If you had seen that... Great comfort was part of that. And if I've I'm not, I've not, yeah, I've not seen that. Jeff, is that also on YouTube? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, it's. I think. I don't think the entire film, but they have like a edited version, like the first hour of the film. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Comfort's part of that, but I, I think a lot of that film really captures in essence, everything that you you talk about uh, in terms of the state of the church in the United States, especially. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I'll give you a month to watch it. Oh, now call you. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. God bless you and your work, and give Veronica our love, please. I sure will, and Paul, the same. Happy birthday. Sam. Thank you. Thank you. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. You know when anybody says uh, mentions um, uh, my spirit or or Jeff is very kind words. Um, you know I just think in these last hour hours and 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 normally we'd say in these last days, but I believe we're in the last hours. When we consider the things that are going on in this country, we see another city in the United States. Certainly not a metropolis, a, 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 a township of uh, the, the whole county has 100,000 people in it in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And when we see what's going on, we see the utter lawlessness and we see the refusal of, of the authorities to do anything about it. And when there's such small numbers of people coming in and inciting huge crowds to lawlessness. 
We're really in the last days. And I think what the Lord has spoken to my heart, Jeff, is that we need to be more zealous. We need to be more committed. We need to take risks and we need to talk about the things that that the word of God says are important, regardless of how people are going to respond to them. And and uh, I just think what we're looking for in these last hours, I think we're looking for that, that extra anointing of the Spirit. I mentioned it on Ray Comfort. And while I like, the, the and I'll look at the video that you suggested, um, I love watching people work just by the power of the Spirit. And Ray Comfort, when he's out there on his own, um, it's just just him and the Holy Spirit, and he's um, sort of impromptu dealing with objections and and talking with people, and and uh, you can see the power of the Spirit resting upon even those people who are the most in opposition to him at the beginning. I think the church needs now Christians who are going to take those kind of risks, and um, Ray Comfort is not my problem. Pastor Ron is my problem. We we just need to be sure that we're walking in the power of the Spirit. Good to hear from you, Jeff. Here is a question from Benjamin. He says, Pastor Ron, why do some people say Jesus only came for Jews? Well, we know, Benjamin, that he didn't only come for Jews, but in his incarnation, his ministry was 100% Jewish. He came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He didn't come for Gentiles. He knew he was going to send the Apostle Paul at a later time, at just the right time for Gentiles. But but the, the church had to begin in the house of God. And that's the Jewish temple. That's that's the Jewish population. And, and uh, when Jesus came for Jews, his ministry was specifically geared toward them. Now, you'll also remember the great uh, story of the Syrophoenician woman uh, who she came to Jesus and, and asked for um, a blessing. She just wanted what she saw Jesus had. And Jesus looked at her, and this sounds cruel to us, but it's not. He said, "He said, uh, well, well, you know, I was sent to Israel. Um, is it right that I do this thing for you? And she looked at him, and I think with a, one of the greatest looks of faith that we could possibly imagine, she said, but even the dogs, the little dogs, Gentiles were considered dogs by Jews, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus was so blessed, he did exactly what she needed him to do. And so he didn't ignore her. Later in his ministry, some Greeks, some Gentiles came to his disciples. We would see Jesus, they said. And and, uh, Jesus basically said, you guys go deal with them right now. My focus is on what I'm about to do for the house of Israel. So he only came for Jews in the flesh. That was his ministry but that he raised up the Apostle Paul and he raised up so many others and has been now raising up people for 2,000 years indicates that he loves the world. And while Jews were where it started, um, Jesus always knew that there were sheep from another sheepfold, he said. And uh, you and I, we Texans, we Gentiles, are those people. Great question. Thank you very, very much. Uh, Marty says, can I have your thoughts on once saved, always saved? Um, Marty, I, I hate answering this question because 
everybody typically has their mind already made up on it. But let me just say this. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 says that when we are saved, the Holy Spirit is given to us as a deposit, a down payment, guaranteeing our inheritance. Now, that's saved and as saved as you can ever be. So if you just take the biblical perspective, if you ever really were saved, you always are saved. You can't lose what was free. You can't lose a gift from God. We can't out God's grace. Now, it's true that we backslide and we uh, make all kinds of decisions. We get really zealous for God and we serve him for a while. Then we fall completely away from God and we find ourselves in the devil's trap. And we look at people like that and say, man, I thought you were saved. Well, if you ever are saved, you always will be saved. You see, upon salvation, not only are we sealed with a deposit that guarantees our inheritance, but our name is entered into the Lamb's Book of Life. Revelation chapter 3, I will in no wise blot out your name. And that's as much security as we can possibly have. Jesus said that, that uh, he has us in his hand and no one can snatch him, snatch us from his hand. And then he says this, he's like doubling down. He says, and the Father who's greater than I has you in his hand and no one can snatch you from his hand. So I don't know how much more security, Marty, we need than that. And yet, because of what we see, we see so many professing Christians who fall away from God, and we wonder, well, did they lose their salvation? Did they walk away from it? God honors their choice. Um, Remember, we're sealed. Those of us who are His are sealed. And there's no way to break a seal of God. Jesus said, if you abide in me, I will abide in you. And Marty, I think the real question is the question of abiding. I don't think there's a single Christian in the world who's ever been abiding in Jesus who's had even a second thought, even a doubt about his or her salvation. I also think that the Bible is intentionally written in such a way, and I believe this is the way the Holy Spirit works in us, that when we're not abiding in Christ, he doesn't want us to feel secure. Whether we are or not, Galatians 6 says, God will not be mocked, he knows those who are his. But, and this is what's so wonderful to me, if he knows I'm his, it doesn't matter what I know. And here's what I know. If I'm walking away from the Lord, if I'm not abiding in him, it doesn't matter how much doubt I'm experiencing. I know he knows I'm his, and he's going to bring me back to that place that I never should have strayed away from in the first place. So, Marty, typically these kind of doubts on once saved, always saved are are from people who are not walking with Jesus. You know, I made a profession, I got baptized, I walked the aisle, whatever might be applicable for you. Um, but you will not, I promise you will not have any doubt about your salvation if you're abiding in Christ. My pastor, Pastor Chuck Smith, who is now with Jesus, he used to say, you know, the only way I can think to answer that question, can you lose your salvation, is saying, I don't want to. And Marty, I think that's the key right there. We're inside five minutes for this half of the program, 340-9585. Here's a question from Samuel. 
Uh, I knew I was going to get this question sometime. He said, what do you think about the recent pictures of Jerry Falwell Jr. that seem to incriminate him in sin uh, uh, in the last few days? Now, I've had this question since the end of last week. Um, In the last couple of days, there's been a lot of developments on this. Um, Jerry Falwell has resigned, has, has left his position as the president of Liberty University. Um, I just read a few minutes before coming on the air that uh, he was given a $10 million severance. Um, His father, of course, was the founder of Liberty University, and Jerry Falwell Jr. was was, um, carrying on the work. Um, I think Jerry Falwell Jr. was very good at what he did. Uh, and he had a golden parachute negotiating him out. Now, I think that's horrible. I think it's one of the reasons that uh, um, students at Liberty University ought to be up in arms. Their tuition keeps going up, and they see that $10 million went to a, a man who uh, is at best compromised, at worst uh, is a sinner and living in, in willful sin. Um, but we also learned, Samuel, that his wife was having an affair with... Um, somebody that they took in, a younger man, and that affair went on for some period of time. And and it appears as this young man was trying to blackmail them, um, and that's how all of this came out. And so rather than be exposed, they just came forward with, with well, here's what's happened. At first he refused to resign, uh, but he has since resigned and settled with them. Now, uh, I'm going to take the last two minutes that we have here in this half hour to say this. Every single person serving Jesus Christ is in danger of falling away and ending up, maybe a little less publicly, but ending up like Jerry Falwell Jr., losing everything unless we really keep hold of our walk with Jesus. You see, what Jerry Falwell Jr. is guilty of, whatever it is, well, I can do that. You can do that. Paul says, if you think you're able to stand, be careful because you're about to fall. And our ability to do well, our ability to walk with Jesus, depends on our closeness to him. And all that Jerry Falwell Jr. is guilty of is drifting away from Jesus. Now, I have no knowledge at all about his walk with Jesus, about his his, um, commitment or lack of commitment to him. But here's what I know, that we're all going to sin. We all have that ugliness in our flesh. And we're all going to sin if we walk away from Jesus, even even just a little bit. So let the Jerry Falwells and the pastors that fall so publicly and the, the, the sins that always seem to be discovered, let that be a warning to all of us. We need to stay close to Jesus. Our focus needs to be on Him. And if we'll, if we'll remember that, then we'll be in a place where no temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, He will always provide a way out so that you can stand up under the temptation. So Samuel, that's the best I can do with Jerry Falwell. He doesn't run in my circles for sure, nor do I run in his. Um, Remember that we are all sinners 
That's not excusing his sin. He needed to resign. But I might need to resign one day too if in fact I get some distance between me and Jesus. Hey, we've got 30 minutes left in the program. We'd love your live calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. This is the Word of Santa for Life. We'll be back in two minutes. If you have questions about the Bible, you can send them to Pastor Ron and he'll answer them on the air or reply directly to you. Email your questions to PastorRonKSLR at gmail.com. That's PastorRonKSLR at gmail.com. Enjoy your summer in a fun and safe way only at Santico's Entertainment. Book a private auditorium to watch a movie or connect your game console to the big screen. Want to have fun bowling in an arcade or playing laser tag? All our amenities are available for private events to ensure safe and physically distanced fun for everyone. Email events at Santico's.com with the code FUN to get a discount when you book your event today. Stay safe, San Antonio, and we will see you at the movies where the learning is for living. That's what you hear every weekday morning at 7 with Alistair Begg in Truth For Life, the August Ministry of the Month on AM 630 The Word. Along with the great teachings from Alistair, each weekday morning at 725 will be your chance to win his latest book called Pray Big, which will show you not only when to pray, but what to say. Truth For Life with Alistair Begg, the August Ministry of the Month, weekday mornings at 7 on AM 630 The Word. Being part of a fan club can be rewarding. And being in the AM630 The Words Fan Club is no exception. Each month, fan club members get to enter to win a book from our Book of the Month author. Along with that, you can get an inside track on upcoming events and contests. Plus, you'll be a part of our birthday club. So, what are you waiting for? Sign up to be a fan club member and enter now at am630theword.com. Now that the foster child I was working with has been reunified with his family, I realized that the hardest part wasn't that bittersweet day I had to say goodbye. It wasn't the time spent with social workers, attorneys, and others to make sure he had what he needed to succeed. It wasn't learning how to advocate for a child in foster care and how to navigate the system. The hardest part was realizing I had what it took to become a CASA volunteer. Make a difference in a child's life by visiting becomeacasa.org. Every child has a chance. It's you. Brought to you by Texas Casa. We are AM 630, The Word. Welcome back to The Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Well, this time I have my microphone in front of me so we can get right to the program, 340-9585, with our final half hour of the day. Here's a question from Deborah. Oops, before Deborah, I've got somebody on the phone. I've got Cindy, Cindy on line one. Cindy, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. How are you today? Oh, I'm fine. Just kind of hanging in there. You know, there's this one part of Ephesians that I just cannot get get over, and it's the part where it, it's in verse 6, and the last part of the verse says, in the one he loves. And what has been piercing my heart about it 
is that what, what the Father, what God must have gone through when he watched oh. Jesus get beaten and abused and crucified in the amount of agony that God had to watch Jesus go through, how, how his heart must have been breaking. But then on the other hand, I was thinking of how in some kind of odd sense it would give God comfort knowing that what was happening was going to bridge mankind to, to be able to, to be saved and, and to be with, with the Lord again. So that's just kind of what's been um, my, my morning coffee thoughts. For a few weeks, <laughs> I'll let you talk about that, and I'll turn the radio up and listen on the radio. And happy birthday you, to Cindy. Sam! I think Sam okay. should get to as many jokes as he wants on Sunday for his birthday oh. present. <laughs> uh, but we, we we have three services. We can't let him just. He has hundreds, if not thousands, of them. Thank you, Cindy. Um, Cindy, this is one of those uh, verses, chapter, Ephesians chapter one, verse six. Um. When, when God is just he's sort of gushing uh, in the fifth verse, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons. And he says that was in accordance with his pleasure. It pleased him. We also know the Bible says it pleased God to crush his son. Now, we can't imagine that. If you think of any earthly father, um, what earthly father wouldn't do everything they could to keep their son or their daughter from suffering? I remember taking our our oldest son Ronnie to the hospital. He was having an emergency, and and I had a really really high fever. This is when he was just just getting started in life, um, um, back in Mesa, Arizona. And uh, I remember the doctors saying, you know, you can't do this. You can't come back here. And I didn't. There was nothing that they could have done to to, to stop me from coming to my son's aid. Now, God, who had the power to do anything and everything, refused his son's request in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if there's any way this cup can pass for me. And he said, no. Think about that. He said, no. He emptied the vault of heaven so he could for free give to us the redemption that comes from his sacrificial death. Cindy, my own perspective on this is, and people can disagree with me, that's okay, but when the earth turned dark as Jesus was dying and suffering on that cross, I personally believe that heaven was dark. We know that there's going to be a time when heaven is going to, to, to go silent in the Great Tribulation. I think heaven went dark as well because the Father couldn't bear to look. Now, we know God uh, sees everything. He's everywhere at the same time. But I think he couldn't look. And I think he was weeping. And so when he freely gave the one he loves and he watched that suffering, I mean, all you have to do is read Isaiah chapter 50 and then go to Isaiah chapter 53 um, in Psalm 22 and read what Jesus endured. And it says he endured the agony of the cross for you and for me. 
and the father had to be an observer to all of that. It's an it's an amazing thing just to contemplate. And I think, Cindy, as you were having your morning coffee, maybe we'll get an earlier morning program for you one of these days. But um, I think that's something that all of us ought to do regularly is look at verses like this and, and understand. You know, the truth of the matter is, and this is inexplicable, but the truth of the matter is, is God made a choice. He could have chosen his son, which would have cost him you and me. Or he chose us, which cost him his son. And he chose us. And one other thought on this, Cindy, is this is one of the reasons that it frustrates me so much when people question whether or not God loves them. How could God love me? I don't feel like God loves me. When he chose you over his own perfect son, how could we ever doubt it? And that's why I think, Cindy, as you did this morning, we all of us, we need to listen and contemplate, meditate on verses like this over and over and over. Thank you for the question. Here is um, James from Belmont, Texas, online, too. James, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Well, thank you, Pastor Ron. Um, I've been reading in Isaiah, and I've been really trying to look for references. Um, for, for Jesus, uh, as far as prophecy goes, Messiah, living on earth, being executed, resurrection, and then returning— um, a, a lot of uh, Jewish uh, mainstream uh, will say that uh, as Christians that we've kind of cobbled together um, several passages from the Scripture and kind of reinterpreted them uh, because, you know, their claim of the suffering servant um, is Israel. And, and that's pretty much accepted by almost all of the friends that I have that are Jewish, uh, mm-hmm. and I could probably take my shoes off and, and count them all. Um, mm-hmm. We were looking at going to Israel this fall, and I wanted to be able to have discussions outside of the New Testament. Um, I, this is my first question. My second question is kind of simple, or maybe shorter, but I was wondering if you could allude to uh, an area that I could read and study that um, that wouldn't look so uh, pieced together, uh, you know, skipping chapters, something that was more uh, uh, fluid that refers to two comings, um, you know. And then also, I guess I'll go ahead and tell you my second question. I hope that I made that part clear enough, though. Mm. Uh, yes, in I Exodus think so. 3, 4, uh, God calls Moses twice, and... Uh, I know that numbers are very important, um, at least in um, the old Hebrew. Being called twice, is there anything significant to that, too? And I guess I, I guess that caught my eye because of the fact that um, the position that Moses played with the children of God, and he was called twice. I, I don't know if, if there's any reference as far as... Messiah goes after him. 
Okay, thank you. I can do that. I'll I'll help as much as I can. Let me let me uh, de- deal with with the, the second question first. Um, um, let me refer you um, to um, my study, James, in um, Exodus chapter three um, and four, but 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 chapter three especially deals with the call of Moses, and it is an extensive teaching, and I think one that's really important and applicable to to New Testament Christians. Uh, we've got to learn to discern the call of God in our lives. And and Moses did that. And uh, when he was called up by the burning bush and fell on his face and told to take off his shoes, um, there, there are such important lessons there for us. So you can go to com and listen to those studies. Uh, Exodus is one of my favorite books to teach. I love the historical value of it. So um, the, the fact that he was called twice, he wasn't really called twice. He was called by God initially. Um, but but the other was the call to action. There's two different things there. And and I think we when we see repetition in the Bible, um, um, hermeneutically, it simply means that we need to pay attention. Um, when Moses was called the first time, he, he was called into the presence of Jesus at that burning bush. But when he was... Um, choosing my words carefully here. When he was sent to Pharaoh, um, you know, it's like Abraham was called in chapter 12. He was also called again in chapter 15, but it was a call to action. So it's not a number thing. It's just a, 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 a sort of a direction thing. Okay, I've called you, you're mine. Now, here's what I've called you to do. And that was the case with Moses. Um, the other question. Um, one of the things we have to remember, and this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth, he said that when Jews read the scripture today, um, there's a veil that covers their heart. And that veil is only torn away, taken away, when they turn to Christ. And I have um, um, some really important Jewish people in my life that I'm praying for all the time and my prayer, James, for them is always Lord, remove the veil from their heart. Now, you're right that the, the most orthodox rabbis, teachers will say that um, uh, the suffering servant is, is Israel. But, but of course they're going to think that because they've already disqualified the idea that the, the, the Christ has already come. Now, if you talk to any Jew um, any believing Jew, and, and they're secular Jews just like they're secular um, people in, in the world today, secular Gentiles, um, they will say that uh, their Messiah is coming. And that's the only peace they're going to have. Now, they've grown tired of waiting for him, and that's why so often they take matters into their own hands, and that's why there's such division between the different sects of Judaism. But they all believe, basically, that the Messiah is going to come. What we do in the Old Testament is go through the prophecies of the Messiah that only Jesus could fulfill. Now, I'm going to pick this number out of memory, so it might be a little bit off. But there's over 330 specific prophecies about Jesus' first coming. And all we have to do is look at those. We know what the Messianic Psalms are. We know what the Messianic uh, 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 passages from the prophets are. 
we know these things and we see Jesus so clearly, but they don't. And and really, uh, James, it, it, it's difficult to convince them because this has got to be a move of the Holy Spirit. And they've made up their mind. There was a there's a um, a conservative commentator on our Salem station here, nine thirty a.m. KLUP, uh, Dennis Prager, and um, he is a, a rabbi. He teaches. He's written books, commentaries on the Old Testament that are bestsellers. And, you know, they're almost sophomoreish, and it's all about do this and do that and and, uh, and and be religious and do good deeds and all those things. Well, that's the Jewish perspective. And um, he had a guest one time who was a believer, New Testament Christian, and the guest asked him, said, uh, when you see Jesus, or, or not Jesus, when you see your Messiah, what question do you have to ask him? And Dennis didn't think even for a second. There was no hesitation. And he said, oh, that's easy. I would say, have you been here before? Now, James, think about that. Now, if I was Dennis Prager, that would be the the compelling question that I would have to get the answer to. And here's what I would do. I would argue that rabbis without the Spirit of God cannot interpret the Word of God. I mean, just the triumphal entry alone. It had to be that exact day, 173,880 days, in order to fulfill the prophecies of Daniel chapter 9. If he was one day early, one day late, too late, too early, it wouldn't have been him. So, all you can do is challenge them to step outside their tradition for a moment and see if this doesn't look like a puzzle that fits Jesus very, very perfectly. And don't worry about patchworking them in. That's the way they're given to us throughout the scriptures. But if Jesus fulfilled those prophecies, the only way, I mean, if he fulfilled them historically, the only way you could miss that is if you wanted to. And the truth is, they want to. The suffering servant is not Israel. Did Israel offer their face to those who would pull out his beard? Isaiah 50? Did Israel offer? Now, make no mistake, Israel's been persecuted more than any, Jews have been persecuted more than any people in the history of our world. But did they offer their face? Did they offer their back to those who would rip it open with scourging? No, Israel has been defiant. The prophecies of the virgin birth. These are things they've got to look at through a different lens. And the only way that we can convince them is if that veil that covers their heart is torn. Again, back to Dennis Prager. If he said, yeah, I'll ask him, have you been here before? Because he's obviously referring to Jesus because he knows Christians who he he holds in very high regard. He knows Christians believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. One of the dear friends in my life, 
a man who has been um, uh, an unbelievable blessing over the years. Um, he'll talk to me and say, I know you say the Christ has already come. But you see, just like the Jews that were expecting their, their Messiah on the, the, the day of triumphal entry, uh, they didn't want the Messiah who was riding a donkey. They wanted the, the, the Christ who was riding a war horse to deliver them from Roman oppression. Well, in the same way now, Jews want their Christ to come to let them live their lives on their terms and we know, of course, that's never going to happen. So James' prayer, as trite as that may sound to some, is the only effective weapon we have in trying to convert Jews. They're working so hard to be good. One thing you could ask them, if you want to open another door, just say, you know, the Bible says, your Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. So how are your sins being forgiven now? You see, there's been no blood sacrifices since 70 AD. And that would be my suggestion to you, James. I love your heart. God says he will bless those who bless them. And by you sharing Jesus with them, um, believe me, God will bless you as a result. Great questions, James. Thank you very, very much. 340-9585. Here's the question I almost got to before the phone calls. Deborah says, since the Bible is so clear that divorce uh, should not be permitted, why do so many believers get divorced? Um, Deborah, it's because so many believers, unfortunately, don't care at all what the Bible says. Now, we won't be that bold and we won't characterize it like that. But the truth is, we don't care. You know, I'm, I'm here in large part because Paula prayed for me for 13 years. And when people told her to divorce me, God had spoken to her heart and said, I hate divorce. If you love me, you've got to hate what I hate. And I love Ron. If you love me, you've got to love what I love. And she hung in there. But the rest of the time, it's... For most people, says, well, I'm not happy. God wants me to be happy, and we do what our flesh wants to do, and it never works out. That's why there's so many second and third and fourth and on, and on marriages. Jesus said Moses permitted divorce because of the hardness of heart. Well, that's exactly the same reason that Christians get divorced today, because of the hardness of heart. And Deborah, there's no legal way to tell somebody you can't do that when the, when the world says that you can, when it's legal to do it. I've asked that same question to a lot of people that were in my office in counseling, having decided to get divorced. But the Bible says you can't. If you're a Christian, you've got to do what God tells you so you can't get divorced. They do it anyway. Why? Because their hearts are hard. And anytime you choose what you think will make you happy instead of what will make God happy, what will please God, then your heart is only going to grow harder and harder. One of the tragedies of our Christian culture, Deborah, one of the reasons, by the way, that I think uh, our arguments about the sanctity of marriage when, when um, our world was legalizing same-sex marriage, 
um, one of the tragedies in this world is that Christians get divorced as often as unbelievers after having made a vow before God until death do us part or I always say until Jesus comes for us and yet time goes by they're not happy and they take the escape route so whenever you want to know why people sin it's not just divorce it's everything uh, if you want to know why people sin Deborah, the answer is because they don't care what God says do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers that's what we're told in the New Testament and yet I can't convince anybody that they shouldn't date or get involved with an unbeliever if that's what they want to do I'm lonely God wants me to be happy I think God brought him or brought her no they're not a believer God says don't do this and they do it anyway so I hope that answers your question Deborah. thank you it's a sad answer isn't it Here's a question from Rita. Pastor Ron, does praying in tongues, I'm sorry, does praying in the Spirit mean praying in tongues? Uh, Rita, no, it doesn't. Now, if we're praying in tongues um, rightly, with the right heart, it will be Spirit-led. But when Paul says, pray in the Spirit at all times, or when Jesus said, God is looking for those who will worship Him in Spirit and in truth, um, if if we're going to pray in the Spirit, uh, it just means praying in the will of God. It means praying for the glory of God. It means offering our bodies as living sacrifices. And if you think about it, Rita, any other kind of prayer is duplicitous. If I'm praying in the flesh, well, God's not listening to me. So praying in the Spirit does not mean praying in tongues. I know there's a whole bunch of... Um, hyper-charismatic churches that, that, that teach that. Oh, you've got to pray in tongues. That's what it means to pray in the Spirit. But that's not at all true. Tongues is a gift given by the Spirit of God. It is a wonderful gift, and it's something that we ought to take advantage of. But that's not what is meant by praying in the Spirit. Uh, if you have the gift of tongues, use it. Be blessed by it. But... Um, you can pray in the Spirit by simply praying for the will of God to be done in your life. If you can end every prayer with, nevertheless, thy will, not my will be done. That's the way Jesus ended his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. If you can end every prayer that way, then uh, you're praying in the Spirit. Last question for the day. Jenny says, what's the difference between hating the sin and hating the sinner? Jenny, this is one of my pet peeves. We Christians say God loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. And sinners, people that don't know God, can't differentiate between the two. You see, they identify with their sin. So when we tell, for instance, somebody who's gay, God loves you, but he hates your sin, that's the same thing as saying God hates you to them. And it's just not something that we ought to be saying to people. Um, from a perspective biblically we know God hates sin we know God loves the world so what that means is that God loves people who sin now he wants them to stop sinning and he wants to call them to himself but, but God is holy he's just and he always hates sin but he never stops loving the sinner something we need to remember Maybe that knowledge will keep us from giving in to temptation. Paul says, sin shall no longer be your master. 
I think if we really realized how much God loved us, that would be the case. Hey, thanks very much. Hey, could we please pray for the uh, Texas and Louisiana coastal cities? The storm is going to hit tonight. It's a big one, and uh, there's going to be a lot of people hurting, and they've been hammered, as you know, over the last year. Hey, tonight at 7 o'clock, Genesis chapter 19. Paula, live in studio tomorrow. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. AM 630, The Word. We hope you've enjoyed the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron. You can find out more about Pastor Ron and all of the folks over at Calvary Chapel by logging on to CalvarySA.com. Once again, CalvarySA.com. AM 630, the word. Faith comes through hearing. This is an important message to homeowners from BSG. Look out for swarms of door-to-door salesmen in your neighborhood using high-pressure sales tactics to sell you a security system that you don't need. BSG, San Antonio's number one smart security company, warns you to be wary of these pests that use underhanded tactics to sell you a system that they want you to have rather than customize something specifically for you. Read the reviews online and you'll see the other guys barely get two stars. BSG is locally owned and operated. BSG doesn't have door-to-door salespeople because BSG wants to work with you to create a system you want and need. And you won't find better products or prices than BSG. Go online to read BSG's rave reviews from customers and then go to bsgtexas.com to see how they can help you. Or call 210-877-1222 to schedule your appointment. That's 210-877-1222 or bsgtexas.com. Summer is over, and kids should be heading back to school. But local mandates mean public schools will be starting with distance learning again. Many students struggled with distance learning last year and want to be back in person. If this concerns you, remember you have options. Many private schools are starting in person, giving students the socialization and personal attention they're craving. If you want this for your child or grandchild, we can save you thousands with our half-off tuition offers. For deals on schools including Crossroads Christian Academy and Bracken Christian School, with more coming. You must be a new family to the school to use the half-off tuition offer. And we only have one offer for most schools, so don't miss this chance. Call Chad for more information at 210-526-3638. Join Chuck Swindoll weekday mornings at 8 for Insight for Living. Chuck is one of the most trusted Bible teachers in the world. Find out for yourself with Insight for Living. Weekday mornings at 8 on AM 630, The Word. Daily teachings from hosts you know and trust. Every day on AM 630, The Word. Listen on your Alexa device, through our mobile app, or through iHeart. Tune in or radio.com. We are AM 630, The Word.
You need to take advantage of special IRS tax programs that are available and free yourself from IRS collection efforts once and for all. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing throughout the country, the Internal Revenue Service has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call the Community Tax Helpline at 800-308-6638. If you owe back taxes to the IRS and cannot afford to pay them back, or even if you have years of unfiled tax returns, there's no need to fear anymore. But you have to call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-308-6638 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can attack your wages, savings, pension,